Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Jones the to the body. And it is all over. The The goal is to finish this fight, and, and that's what I will do. I will finish this fight. For me, he is a, he is a man. He has a, two legs, two arms, one body for me in my front. I will broken him. Uh, you're listening to a kickoff special on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, hope you are well. But did you cut me off there? You wanted to play some more commentary, did you, boys? You got a little bit giddy there, trying to uh, squeeze a little bit more uh, of the boys commentating on the UFC. Um, welcome to the show. We've got an hour special dedicated to the world of the UFC because at the weekend we have got commentary of UFC 239, Jones versus Santos. It's going to be here on Talk Sport. Uh, and I've got two of the very best that Britain has had to offer of recent times. If you put these guys' names on a bill, it guaranteed ticket sales, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my right hand side, he's laughing away already, is Jimmy. Mm-hmm. But on the right hand side, it's we've true. got. Well, it is true. It is absolutely true. true. Brad Pickett's alongside me. Jimmy Manor is in the house as well. It's a pleasure to have you both uh, in the studio with me, gentlemen. We're going to obviously talk about you and your careers and the fantastic rides that you both went on. We're going to talk about the history of the UFC and then obviously sell forward to uh, the weekend uh, and UFC 239. I'm coming to you first. One punch. Okay. One punch. <laughs> nervous, nervous. One punch in the, uh, and the poster boy in the studio with us. I want to talk about your interest in mixed martial arts in general and how it all began for you because you're a boy growing up in London you're playing a bit of football I know you're a Spurs fan I've no doubt at some point you might have have had ambitions to kick a football about at what point do you think to yourself I can make a career out of uh, out of fighting well sorry yeah it was a bit later on for me as in as most back in the day most people when they're growing up they're like I want to be a professional footballer And, and that was in my sight so I was like I was really good at football. I was like, this is what I'm going to do and this is it. Um, not realising there is so much competition out there because everyone yeah. wants to play football. Um, but it didn't stop me. I was very competitive. I, always I, I was one of those football players. I, I was a workhorse. You know, I just never stopped running the whole game. Um, a bit like the way you fight. Pretty much. Exactly, <laughs> exactly like that. But it was also a bit of a jack of all trades. I played in quite a lot of positions, up front, uh, right back, centre midfield, left back, everywhere. So uh, the, the higher level I played of football, the further down the pitch I went. So okay. the higher, higher I played, I played, I played at right back. Um, 
But I actually took up boxing as a combat sport. I was very interested in combat sports. I wasn't a violent kid as such, like, got myself in, into fights, but it's a good life skill to be able to have. Um, so I, I took up boxing at the age of 19, just relatively to keep myself fit. Done it for around about six months, um, and the guy goes to me, do you want to have, have a fight? Pain. No, do you, no, you want to have a fight? And I'm like, yeah, uh, okay. And I, said, I said yes, and straight away I just pooed myself, basically. And I was like, all right, yeah. But I was like, I'm a very proud and competitive person. So I was like, okay, I remember being so nervous the whole time. And I boxed for a little bit. I boxed for um, a couple of years, from 19 to 21. Uh, I ended up rushing my ACL playing football. That put a stop to my footballing days and also I kind of like yeah. stopped boxing as well. Could be, football was my main love. I tried to get back into football where the level I used to play, not a bad level. I played now with my mates on a Saturday and tried to get back into boxing when I was like mid-20s. I was like 24, 25 at the time and went to Canning Town Peacock's gym and I kind of like didn't get the attention because I was the older guy. So obviously I, I get it. I, I got the sport. They just wanted to give the attention to the younger kids. And I, I was like, hey, I'm over here. And I'm quite tough, by the way, you know. I, uh, and um, But what does mean, even when I went to boxing, I wasn't the most skillful boxer. I was just kind of a tough kid. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I could take a punch. I was like one of those people, I don't mind getting hit to land one of mine. Yep. Um, which... Didn't bode well for amateur boxing. Would have been all right in pro boxing, but amateur boxing it didn't really suit my style. Um, but it never really happened. And one of my old friends, a guy called Dell Edwards, lived in uh, Roundwell Close in Bethnal Green, where I used to live, and just said, "Hey, why didn't you uh, take up this uh, uh, cage fighting?" I'm like, "What is that about?" And he goes, "Then he says, oh, you know, you heard the UFC,' and I'm like, "Yeah, I've seen all that," and I was fascinated by. Everyone's watched Bloodsport back in the day, so I was like, "Yeah, I, quite, I found it interesting. Found it a bit dubious, rolling around with men on the floor and stuff." But I remember going there, and the first ever time I, I went there, and I was like a twenty-five-year-old, twenty-six-year-old man, and I remember going there, and there was a young kid called Mark Smith. And he was sixteen years old at the time, and I remember this clear as day, and he battered me, right? But absolutely battered me, just like done, just abused me, and I used to always think. I was quite proud yeah. and like, um, I can handle myself because I used to box. I'm like, and I, it was quite humbling. And I was like, when I left, I was like, I can't have someone out there in this world being able to do that to me just for a general life skill. Yeah. I need to learn this. I need, And it kind of set that fire. And then I just started uh, competing. And even when I was back in those days, uh, my first ever, yeah, again, I only training yet again for six months then. And then I had a, my first pro there's no amateur back in those yep. days i went straight pro uh and that, that kind of lit the fire and i just kind of like grew with the sport it was never a uh it wasn't like a nowadays like people like me and jimmy have created a career path for people to go on and earn life-changing money this is what you need to do to yep. go on in the ufc and earn money no absolutely you've definitely blazed the trail and your stories are very similar age-wise because jimmy you came to it late as well didn't you you know you were doing right. you were doing it other things and you just mentioned 26 m- mid to late 20s that you knocked in and yeah, you I were what 28? 28 you were 28 when you, you cracked on 28 yeah mm. so for so at what what's the switch that makes you want to get involved in mixed martial arts i think it's the it's the competition it's the competition it's me watching ufc I'm thinking, you know what, I can do that and that, you know. And uh, at the time, my, my, my friend was fighting and um, I went to watch a couple of his fights at, at um, 
uh, Cage Rage. Okay. And that, and uh, who was it? I, I remember seeing. I think my, the first light heavyweight fight um, I saw was Valentino Pachescu versus um, Pierre Gallet. Okay. I don't know if you remember. Mm, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking these guys are about my my weight sort of thing. You know, it's, it's a competition. You're writing them up from outside no, the octagon. Knowing that I can do it, you know, I started sizing everyone up. So yeah, that was it. And that was it. And where we go. And for those that obviously have followed this sport, they know you, yours two stories. Once you end up getting into the UFC, but even before that, coming back to you, Brad, the you've just mentioned cage rage there, which is quite apt because you obviously that's probably where a lot of people found out about you yeah. because you shot to fame there. Mm -hmm. Then, obviously, with the WEC and the way that that merged into the UFC, you then become a UFC fighter and have a fantastic tenure there where you're just constantly in entertaining fights. Yeah, it was, it was my sort of style. I was I was a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And I think that boded very well within my, uh, my fighting style. Um, I could fight everywhere. I was comfortable fighting everywhere. But the thing I think made me kind of like a, a fan favorite and exciting uh, I didn't mind getting hit you know I was yeah I just, just yeah I, I always say I could fight the best I could fight number one in the world and I'd be in a good fight yeah I could fight the postman and I'd be in a good fight I, I'd always end up getting in a fight no matter how good or bad the person is I don't know, getting being in terror. But that's what that's what resonates with fans, isn't it? I mean, you've both been Definitely. you've done you've both done the exact same thing, really. Where you've never said no. I think I think you're born into it. I think you're born into that star sort of thing. I don't think everyone goes goes and says, oh, "I'm going to be a stand up banger" sort of thing. I think you're kind of born <laughs> into it. You know, it's a natural thing. It's within you yeah. in order to make that happen. But for, like I said, fans resonate with that to the attitude of certain things. You know, you see certain fighters now where maybe they are manipulating a path to get to X, Y, and Z. But especially in the UFC, it's not necessarily always about that. The, the main selling point is entertainment for you for the UFC. They want to see their fighters win, lose, or draw in 100% entertaining fights. So therefore, fighters, if they adhere to that, they're going to gain love. They're going to sell tickets. And even if you do lose, and we were speaking about this 15 minutes ago in, the, in, in boxing, there's too much stress on zeros yeah. and keeping mm -hmm. undefeated records. Mm -hmm. Even if you do lose, if you're still... In entertaining fights, which Brad, you most certainly were, and all your fights, it's someone's going, someone's mm. going over Jimmy, mm -hmm. and people buy into that. That type of attitude bodes well in the UFC, where it might not necessarily work in the world of boxing. Would you go along with that? Yeah, it's true, definitely. Yeah. I think too much uh, attention is put on undefeated records, and that, especially in boxing as well. Yeah. There's a lot more variables of losing in an MMA fight yeah, than course, in, in, in boxing. In, that's that's what I, I also found with what made our sport very exciting. Where not always the best fight would win, you know, because these are little four ounce leather gloves getting thrown around. Someone could have terrible stand up and become dangerous. Like some jujitsu guy could just throw a bomb and catch a striker. And like it's not while like you, while you're looking for the takedown. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's not like a, a a boxer who a boxer like a Joshua or something like make a mistake, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he did in his last fight, but he, he didn't really recover. But like. You could go down or make a mistake. Okay, I get back to my feet. I get my 10 second count and uh, I'm okay. And well, I need to recompose myself. You don't get that chance in the UFC. You make a mistake, it is over. You know, so that's what makes the fault. There's so many variables within it, it makes it so exciting because the best fight never always wins. Well, that's the fascinating thing for me as a fan watching it because you've got guys that are traditionally from stand and bang backgrounds you've got guys that are from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu wrestling guys over in the States and what have you and initially when the UFC started 
it was to see which style was the best. You yeah. know, I mean, it's a lot different now. There's a lot more rounded mixed martial arts. No question about it. That can do the majority of everything. But I found that fascinating to see a guy that had grown up on the beaches of Brazil just fighting like a turtle on his back, taking on a kickboxer from the Netherlands or something like that. It was absolutely mad to think, how's this going to go down? Surely the kickboxer is going to win it. And then all of a sudden it's on the mat and it's over. You know, yeah, it was absolutely yeah, it's mental. The old days, you must have you seen the film Bloodsport. Yeah. With Van Damme in. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was like, oh, who's going to win out the karate? <laughs> who, yeah, every, everything. Who... Who beats a ninja? No one beats a ninja. You know, like you always think these things as a kid. You know, so watching the UFC back in those, it was literally that. And you saw Hoyce Gracie rest, take some big dude down who looked, Pat Smith, who looks, wrestlers. looks so scary. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I would never get in the, in the cage with that guy. And he, he would do get and he's this little skimpy Brazilian guy. He wasn't a big guy either. And he just have his little gi on and, you know, and he's skinny. He's not like ripped or jacked. And you just dominate, and you just think, "How? Wow! Yeah, exactly! Yeah, wow!" So that's <laughs> and that's how the sport become. And mm. it got to the stage where um, a say like a, a boxer would fight a wrestler, ends up getting taken down, getting beaten up, and loses. So he goes, "Right, I want to learn wrestling." Then he'll go learn some wrestling, mm. and then he'll go come back in he won't get taken down and then now he knocks out the wrestler. And then the wrestler goes, "Well, okay, well, I need to work on my stand up, so I don't get." And that's how. It turns into mm. nowadays. And now everyone's it's a mix good at everything. Arts. It's a, now you yeah. you yeah. turn in in going to the gym. Now you learn mixed martial arts, and that to me that is a different sport altogether because it's techniques that only work in MMA that doesn't really transcend into boxing, doesn't transcend yeah, into grappling or BJJ. MMA is his own sport and it's all right. We're going, to, we're going to talk about how this sport has developed because it's still a relatively new sport. It only The UFC was founded in 1993. You guys have obviously been a big part of that for a long period of time, but it's a lot different than what it was in 93 to where we are at this moment in time. We're going to talk about it next. Make sure you stick with us. You're listening to Talk Sport. Defending undisputed UFC light heavyweight champion of the world, Johnny. Choke him out. He's standing here. Yoda's in trouble. Trying to finish this fight. It is all over. It is all over. Wow. John Jones wow. remains the UFC light heavyweight wow. champion. from Santos. If it goes anywhere past two rounds, like the fight is definitely going to start to quickly move in my favor. But I also believe that I can finish him in the first two rounds as well. So I don't scare him. For me, he's a he's a man. Same thing on the man. He has a two legs, two arms, one body for me in my front. I will broken him. My focus in myself. 
Uh, this weekend on TalkSport, we've got commentary of UFC 239. It's Jones versus Santos. We will be talking through uh, that fight with Brad Pickett and Jimmy Manowick. Interesting to get Jimmy's thoughts on that with a man that used to obviously compete in the light heavyweight division and has been in with uh, Thiago Santos uh, of how he sees that fight playing out. So stick with us for that. Following us at 10 o'clock, it is the world famous Andy Goldstein, <laughs> Sports Bar. I'm all right, man. How are you? I was just thinking while I was listening to that, if there, this is not easy for me to say, but if there was a Royal Rumble yeah. now between the four of us, who would be the first out the ring? Who would be the last man standing? Um, I I would I'd fancy your chances, mate. I reckon of you could, yeah, first first yeah, because I reckon we'd actually get involved in the scrap, and you just stand and watch, and we'd, we that would be end of it, wouldn't it? Me and Brad, me and Brad might team up. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tactic. I don't, I don't like where I'm sitting. I'm actually in the furthest away from the door, so I'm definitely getting in trouble. <laughs> What's coming up on the world famous uh, sports bar, mate? We have got. Um, by the way, I was listening on my way in, and I love listening to you. You know that I listen to you on my way home usually. Go on. No, I'm just saying it sounded good to you this time. No, no, I like listen, it. There's always a butt with you. No, I like what, it. What's it? Go good. on. I, I turned on my radio. I thought Catman's there. Brilliant. I love it. Okay. So, well, I'm just saying. Well done. It's a compliment. Thank you. All right. There's a there's a butt coming in. No, that's no but go on. Carry on. No, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> uh, we are starting, of course, the big news in the football world is Frank Lampard has yeah. officially now got the job. We all knew he was going to get it. So we'll be asking Chelsea fans the obvious two questions: and um, what is success? Next season, is it top four? Is it trophies? Is it top six? Whatever. Um, and are Chelsea fans happy with the appointment? I would imagine that ninety nine point nine percent of them are. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to hear from both sets of fans. Be it you are or you're not. If that point one percent out there exists, uh, also be asking Liverpool fans what they need to do to win the Premier League for the first time in their history. Do they need to go out and strengthen? They've got um, also Chamberlain coming back. They've got Gomez, of course, coming back. Is mm-hmm. that enough? Do they need to go out and buy Coutinho for argument's sake? Do they need to strengthen? We've just seen Liverpool pay over sixty million pounds for a Fernandinho number two or number one, depending on who starts, the Liverpool need to strengthen. So that's what we'll be doing in the first hour. Um, we've got Sam Saunders in the studio, who's Brentford's reserve assistant manager and good mates with JT, and he's got his own swimwear collection. <laughs> so hit us true. You're going to get some gear? I hope so. I mean, I've only, just, modeling? I've only just found this out. If I'd have known this two days ago, I'd have texted him saying, you better bring some shorts in for yeah. me. Yeah, you look good in a pair of speedos. Yeah. Well, I, I listen, God bless you. We've got a couple of lads here that are used to taking the kit off and getting on the scales. They could have done a bit of modeling for you. <laughs> I've done that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, beast. Look at the size of him. Well, don't be, don't don't be annoying him. Don't when, be I walked, annoying him. when I walked in, his phone was on this chair and I was like, do you mind if I... <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Um, we've got the Ralph Darren Lewis is joining us for that. We've got transfer dealer, no deal. More, oh, the midnight train to Madness you know about, of course. World but class. hopefully we've got an update from last night where a fellow phoned up with an amazing dilemma. Mm. He found out that his best mate was going on holiday with his girlfriend, like the best mate and the girlfriend. No, 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 no. No, no, His best mate and his best mate's girlfriend going away. Okay. Which is fine. Yeah. But he's found out that his best mate's girlfriend is still seeing her old boyfriend, should he tell him. Da, da, da. So we'll be getting the lowdown on that. That's what happens after midnight. Yeah, I like it. We've got oh, UFC chat that. as well. I'll see your UFC chat and I'll raise you with Gareth A. Davis. So yes. He's coming on the show. He's over in States, yeah. Our weirdo is, we always have a Thursday weirdo, although you probably thought what I've just told you is quite weird. Um, we've got a strange person who's covered in tattoos, which... Don't, don't annoy me. Nothing wrong with tattoos. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got to get out of here quickly. And we've got Copper America chat as well and lots more besides from 10 o'clock. Top man. Loving your work, Cat Man. Thank you, mate. Thank you very What's much. Your, if you're a UFC fighter, what would your nickname be? Well, you you've give me a different nickname every single no, day. But, so oh, you, you've got to have a UFC name. Like Mine would be um, the... Uh, what would it be? I just said it before. What would it be? What would you be? Grasping. I don't know. The grappler. The grappler. I reckon like you'd be a grappler. What would yours be? 
I'd be sexual chocolate. <laughs> okay, I'll make it. Top man, Andy Goldstein, Sports Bar, coming up from 10 o'clock. Make sure you tune into it. Uh, just a quick one, because we are going to speak about the fight that we got at the weekend, UFC 239 commentary here on TalkSport. Um, I just want to talk about the history of the UFC. As I mentioned a moment or two ago, this thing was um, founded in 1993. Obviously, 26 years into it. A lot of people do compete. When, when they're talking combat sports and fight sports, they're always going, well, boxing this, and then they come and, and, and make that reference back to mixed martial arts. Listen, it's in its infancy still. Boxing's years and years and years old. Queensbury rules goes back years and years and years. This is a very still new sport still finding its feet on the world scale but it's growing at a ridiculous rate why do you boys think that is why do you think the fan base around the world have really gravitated to the modern version of mixed martial arts which was very different to the one that originally came to us in 1993 where it was literally I think the strap line back then was there are no rules and there literally wasn't any rules was there you know what I mean yeah um, I can speak about this because uh in my career, I, 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 still, I love boxing. Back back in the days, I used to stay up crazy late to watch Tyson fight. You know, he was my favourite. Um, and he's still, like, he was a big part of my MMA career. I used to love, I, I kind of do my boxing sort of style within fighting, mm. very similar to Mike Tyson. I, I love the peekaboo sort of style. It didn't bode well for me getting kneed in the face, though. <laughs> but, um, yeah, for, for me, when I was competing, I always fought seeing that in this sport how it's limited rule sets within this sport makes it so much more interesting because like in boxing the best boxer always wins you know they, that's always the way and also I find with, with boxing the confusion with, with, with the fans is this is and who's the best guy in the world is it WBA WBC WBO where at, at the moment, there's a monopoly in the UFC where you want to watch the best guy in the world fight. You watch the UFC. Whoever's holding that boat is the best guy in the world. Mm. You know? There are other organizations now are picking up uh, and will are competing. And not all the best fighters in the world are actually are in the UFC. But for many, many years, it's been it's the UFC and it's monopolized it. So for you as a consumer, you just know, I just need to watch UFC. So in boxing, you don't ever see who the best guys are fighting. Sometimes the politics stops them from fighting each other. And like you say, with what you talked about before, about the O's of, of boxers, they're so protected, you know, like, and they just want to take it the easier route and, and want to protect that O, where in MMA, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter at all. Mm. You could be 25 and 4, and you've had, oh, you lost four times, but you're an absolute beast. You know, it, it doesn't make any difference, you know. Mm. It's not, there's only one... John Jones, for me, I still class him as unbeaten, even though he has one loss. So that's well, they're looking D into it, aren't they? They're yeah. trying to. There's a DQ, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and then there's also Khabib. They're, they're the two um, big ones for me. Obviously, yeah, Ben Askren, who's fighting this weekend as well, but he hasn't fought the level of competition that mm. these guys have been fighting. So, mm. yeah. You, from a fan's point of view, that I mean, there's people listening to this who are football fans and just ca casually dipping in, and we're talking about mixed martial arts, and you might be looking at the radio going, "Ah, oh, it's not for me." This. Now, you might, your first experience of it might have been in the 1990s when there was limited rules, as you've just mentioned there. I mean, you could headbutt back in the day in, in 1990s. You could kick in the groin and various things like that. I think the only things uh, that you couldn't do back then was bite and eye gouge. Yeah. Everything else you could just crack on with, you know? Yeah, and you, you could pull hair and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It was literally no, no holes barred. But it has developed significantly since then. So you might have watched those early 1990s ones and gone, this is brutal. This is just far mm. too much for me. But then since Zuffa and the Fatitas 
bought it in 2000, 2001. They made a conscious effort of working with state athletic commissions in and around America and around the world. Following the rules and that. To start to clean the sports up. Because if we remember, a lot of states in America banned the sports, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, I think there were 36 sports. I mean, we only mm. saw New York really give it the thumbs up in 2016. So it's been mm. a long process to get it to the stage that it is right now. And it's a far different sport than when we all started originally watching it back yeah, in the definitely. 1990s. I, I just think it's growing so much because it's the purest form of fighting with like the least uh, amount of rules, you know? And and, and I, think, I think that's why it's growing so much. And as Brad said a couple of moments ago, regarding the matchups, it's confusing for fans in boxing because you have, we've got a WBO champion here, we've got a WBC champion. You get one UFC champion for each weight categories. And the ranking systems, even though they are a little bit convoluted by the people that make them up, if you are highly ranked, you're getting a shot. You know, nobody gets overlooked. If you get to a certain period in the in, in the rankings tables, you're next in line for the champ. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like, the, with this sport, it's like, uh, with, with, with the weight classes, obviously, the number one spot is who's got the belt. Outside of that is always people's opinions. So of I, course. I, for me, I, I never took rankings too seriously, apart from number one. I always wanted to be number one. It, who says that number 10 don't beat number five? Who says that number three don't get beat by number eight? You know, so you, it, it gives you that kind of like um, bracket in a way to help set, set up matchups for me. I never really looked at rankings in, in, in that sort of aspect, apart from number one. Mm. For for those that maybe aren't uh, too affair with the UFC, like I said, the Fatitas and the, and Zuffer did come into it in 2000, 2001. They've recently sold it, obviously, uh, to WME and IMG just to prove the growth of this sport. They bought it for $2 million. They sold it for $4 billion. They've done all right then, boys. 4.2 billion. They've done all right right then, lads, haven't they? They made a few quid out of it. But that's the the growth and the model. And I don't think people as fans would buy into it if they hadn't done the amount of crazy work that they have done with state athletic commissions all over the states in order to bring it up to a respectable standard where rules are adhered to. I mean, even drug testing, for example, that's a big thing. The team up, I think it was 2015, wasn't it, when they teamed up with USADA yeah. to get more professional on the drug testing side of things because with all due respect, up until that point, TRT and various things like that were proactively encouraged and a lot yeah. of fans might have looked at that and gone, blimey, it's just roid rage, crazy yeah. guys just running around and whacking living daylights out of it in a cage. Now, as Jimmy was saying two months ago, it's the it's the most purest form of fighting done by professional athletes, proper professional athletes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, b- back in the in the day when I was like explaining what I did for a living, uh, I say I'm always used to always refer to this. I'm a mixed martial arts thing. Oh, what's that? I, I, I'm a, and then you say I'm on with fighting. They're like, what's that? And then you go, Have you heard of cage fighting? <laughs> you know? And just like it's just that's it's a stigma that I get. I, I always class myself and Jimmy. We're a, like an Olympian. We train in football. I mean, yeah, football. We train in boxing, <laughs> wrestling. Uh, we do multiple martial arts. So I always say like mixed martial arts is the decathlon of of, of, uh, of sport of of um, Fight of, of fighting. So, so for me, you have to class yourself as an athlete. You have to watch your diet. You don't go out smoking. You don't drink. Do, do, to succeed in what we do, you ha- you have to be very professional. You can't fluke it. Back in the day, I mean, the stigma. Everyone thinks you're a cage fire. The thing you're 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 massive. You're roided up. You have tattoos. You beat your wife back home. It's so so. I used to like to break that stereotype. I don't have a single tattoo on my body. Yes, I do have a cauliflower face. So I do look like a fighter. But you know, I don't act 
like a fire. I always say, like, I never fought because I hated what was in front of me. I fought because I loved what was behind me. So I was always competition-driven. I never hated anyone I fought, you know, ever. And, like, you say Jimmy. Jimmy, one of his best training partners, when he fought fought, uh, Alex Gustafsson, and now they're best mates in training. Fighting each other creates a big bond, you know. And even with teammates, some of my best friends I've ever had, like Mike, Mike Brown, we beat each other up so much with, you know, throughout our careers in the gym and we're best mates you know but it's just what it is you know so, you're yeah. crazy the pair of you are crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to get Jimmy's thoughts in a moment or two regarding the main event of the weekend it's a, it's a weight division that obviously uh, he made his career in in the UFC and he's fought one of the uh, protagonists obviously uh, involved at the weekend so stick with us you're listening to uh, Talk Sport this is a fight night special on kickoff My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, welcome to our kickoff special here on Talksport. I'm Adam Catterall in the studio with me, Brad Pickett and Jimmy Manoa. Uh, boys that have blazed the trail for British mixed martial arts uh, in the UFC. Uh, very kindly joining me to talk through this fantastic card that we've got at the weekend, UFC 239. We're going to be bringing you commentary of that in the early hours of Sunday morning, so make sure you come and join us uh, for it. Jimmy, interested to get your thought process on the uh, on the main event. Obviously, John Jones, a lot of people might refer to him as the greatest of all time when it comes to the light heavyweight division in particular. Uh, and he's taking on a guy that you have recently fought in uh, Tiago Santos. How do you see the fight going? And if Santos is to win this, how does he win this? I think if he wins it, it's going to be by knockout. Nah, uh, I think on paper... John Jones should win all day. I think John Jones wins seven out of ten times in in this fight, you know. But um, I think Santos Santos has got that little spark in him where he can he can end the fight in any second, you know. Mm. And what, that. When when you fought Santos, because a lot's been made recently of light heavyweights actually that have maybe had a go at middleweight 
not really made a big impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, Santos has been at welterweight, middleweight, and gone up to light heavy. We saw Anthony Smith doing a very similar thing and coming up to light heavy. A lot's made of weight cutting, Luke, Luke isn't Rockhold's it? Luke coming up as well. There you go. Fine this weekend. And he's a, he used to be a big middleweight, and yeah. hopefully he looks quite decent at uh, light heavy. Yeah. When, when you fought him, going into that fight, was there anything in your head where you were thinking to yourself, he used to be a middleweight, this lad, you know what I mean? And you've always been where you're at. To, a, to an extent, yeah, until until I saw him. And he, he's a, he's like a proper big, uh, big like heavyweight as well, yeah. So, um, you know, it, in in your mind, you think I oh, used to be a middleweight, oh, I'll be all right, I've got, I've got the strength for this and everything. But, um, you know, they, they're big boys coming up. Even Andy Smith as well was bigger than Gustafsson the other day mm. when, when we saw him and that. So, you know, these middleweights coming up, and that they're uh, they're they're big boys as well. There's a, there's a lot to be said for the, for this new breed of fighter that are starting to get a little bit off fair with weight cutting, aren't they? I mean, we saw we've seen guys cut mass amount of weights in order to give themselves an advantage on on fight night. But in effect, for some people, it doesn't always work like that. We see, we're seeing guys now, as Jimmy was saying, especially in light heavyweight, where they're kind of not cutting a massive amount of weight and they're doing extremely well. They're making big inroads. Well, with Waco, my views on this, it's all to do with your styles. Weight is not really an advantage in striking. So that's why boxers don't have to cut that much weight because it's like you'd rather be a little bit lighter, be a bit more speedy, a bit more elusive. More petrol in a tank. Yeah, yeah well. a bit, bit faster. And also a massive weight cut and takes away water from the body, can take water away from your brain, and you can suffer and get some people get badly hurt from doing cutting too much water. Yeah. But where the size advantage is is when it comes to wrestling. So someone like a Ben Askren who does cut a lot, lot because he's a grappler, so he wants to get you down, and that's when the weight does pay dividends. You know, so like, I always explain if I fought myself ten pounds heavier in striking, it would make no difference. I may even be the bit of quicker guy and land better shots, but if my bigger version of myself took me down, I'll struggle to get him off me. If the skill sets are, uh, are the same, yeah. Obviously, if someone like Jimmy gets on someone um, and the skill level's a lot high, it, the weight and all that makes a big difference. Like, I could wrestle someone in here who has does no clue, could weigh 200 pounds, and I beat them because the skill is there. Of course. When the level's round about the same, size doesn't matter in the grappling and wrestling factors. That's mm. why weight cutting with this sport is quite still quite big. Regarding the other fights that are on, uh, the main event in particular that we're going to be calling on TalkSport at the weekend, how much has Amanda Nunes for you revolutionised female mixed martial arts with the way that she just seems I, to be going through legends? I, I wouldn't say she's revolutionised it, but um, she's she's definitely brought up brought on a new wave of, you know, these the, the, this new champ champ uh, champ champ thing and, and all that. Do you get me? So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think she, she she's doing really well for the uh, women's MMA, and um, I think I've got her for the win as well this weekend against Holly Holm. For against those, Holly Holm, yeah. For those that uh, are aware of that name, Holly Holm, she's the lady that uh, in Melbourne knocks out Ronda Rousey again. A girl that revolutionised. Yeah, uh, she was the face life. for women in MMA, Ronda Rousey. Well, you mentioned a couple of moments ago, didn't you, about you guys now training Olympic standard in various mixed martial arts. She was the first, I think, coming in. Uh, to the UFC, male and female, that was an Olympic medalist that ended up holding an, uh, a UFC title, which kind of then professionalised the sport a little bit, gave it that kudos, didn't it? A lot yeah. of people looked at it and go, oh my heck, a US Olympian is now a US... Well, we've got to pay attention to this. Yeah. And obviously she was fantastic at judo, doing her thing, and she came unstuck against uh, Holly Holm uh, in, in that infamous fight. And there's a narrative there, obviously, with the Ronda Rousey thing, 
because Amanda Nunes is the last person to obviously uh, have fought uh, Ronda Rousey, beat her before she's gone off to uh, to the WWE. The thing is about Holly Holm, she comes from a boxing background, no mug whatsoever. But the way Nunes fights, every time I watch Nunes, I'm in awe because she's just a powerhouse. Yeah, she she has a very... Sh- uh, I've trained with Amanda, uh, America Top Team. I was there for many years, and I see her drop guys. Uh, no, she she can spar hard. She hits hard, uh, and but she's a massive favorite in this fight. But I actually think this fight's going to be pretty good because Holly Holm is a very very skillful striker, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Amanda I think has fantastic striking as well. But Amanda's this, better on her feet, though, isn't she? She has more power, yeah. you know. That's the thing. So she needs to land, you know. Like uh, she done really well against Cyborg, uh, but for me, Cyborg's not the most technical striker yeah, either. Yeah. She's just a powerhouse as well, yeah. and she just got out yeah, outstruck it's, it's, in it's, that it's fight. Who landed first? So, on that, yeah. In that fight. So, but so yeah. I mean, like because in with Cyborg for, for, for Amanda, Cyborg was within the chaos, wasn't very technical. Where Amanda had very good crisp boxing within that thing, but Holly Holm is a really good crisp striker so it's going to be interesting to see how it does play on the feet especially being five rounds where Amanda Mm. can get tired you know so I find this a lot more interesting than probably other people do people just see the Amanda Nunes that just starched everyone knocked out Cyborg and think oh she's good there I actually See, you think it's a competitive fight? I do, I, I, I do, and I know Amanda very well. And I just do, I just see styles, I see things. I don't think it's going to be as black and white as people think. They're the two title fights, <laughs> two absolute crackerjacks. Another guy that you've obviously been in the octagon with is, is Jan Blakovic, um, and he's taking on Luke Rockhold. It's an interesting thing with Rockhold because he's been out for such a long period of time. It's his debut at light heavyweight. He's been injured. How much has he got left? That's the. I think is that the big question for you going into this no, fight? I think it's what what us um, Blakovic turns up to this fight as well because he's um, sometimes he fights good sometimes he doesn't fight so good and and um, I think it's going to be a competitive fight as well well you, you've obviously been in with Jan on a couple of occasions and yeah. had two different results Jan, you, Jan's you very with... hard to hit he's, he's, he's good going backwards he's very good going backwards and that and uh, he's very hard to hit so um, I think uh, Rocco's going to have his work cut out for this fight skill set wise Luke's incredibly skillful isn't he and he's a and I've always said that he's a big middleweight. It'd be interesting to see how much those injuries have really played on him going into this fight. Because as Jimmy said, Jan Blakovic is no mug. It's, it, I think it's the mental side of things as well that people don't really realise in fighting. It's not the case of by far on paper more technical is Luke Rockhold by far superior striking, superior wrestling, superior ground. But a fight is a fight, right? And he's going up a weight class, and he was getting knocked out. He'd been knocked out a few times in the weight class below. Yep. So when you go up there and you're going to get heavy hitters and you're worried about getting sh- hit a little bit, it takes a little steam away from your cells when you're like, okay, I'm a little bit vulnerable. You're not the same person. Is Shot Shy the right thing to say at that point be, or not? Yeah. Like, you, you saw it even uh, this weekend just gone. You, you saw uh, Junior De Santos versus um, Francis uh, Ngannou. And, and you see that he wanted to hit Francis, but didn't want to get hit, and it, and it kind of makes you fight a little different. Yeah, reserved in your shooting. Yeah, yeah, and that's because he, he he's been hit a few times and dropped. And I, I remember that same for me and my my mindset throughout my fighting career. When I was fighting, first of all, I was I, I was just invincible. I'm like, I don't care. I've been dropped a few times, but I didn't care. And then at the end of my career, I remember getting knocked out, and then for me, my 
invincibility went and my mindset changed. So that's why I think Luke Walter has that a little bit now where he's not, you know... Invincible. Yeah, invincible. So he's got to be careful of not getting hit, but by, by far the more technical fire. Mm, it's going to be a cracker. Uh, UFC 239 this weekend. We've got some other fights as well to talk through. Sanchez against Kiez is going to be a cracker. And Masvidal against everybody's favourite, uh, Ben Askren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Funky's in town. So we'll talk about those uh, before the end of the show. And we'll talk about, I know that if you're not necessarily a mixed martial arts fan, you'll probably want us to talk about McGregor or something like that. Uh, we'll get stuck into those uh, uh, talking points in a moment or two. You're listening to a kickoff special here on Talk Sport. We're doing a UFC special. I got, I got, I got, I got. Um, if you've only just tuned in, don't worry, because we are going to podcast this final hour of the show as we build up to UFC 239. Jimmy Manowar and Brad Pickett in the studio with me, uh, and it will be available on the Fight Night podcast feed. So if you subscribe to the uh, the TalkSport Fight Night, uh, it will be there with you, hopefully within an hour at the end of the show. You can hear the dulcet tones of these boys waxing lyrical about uh, the UFC and obviously uh, throwing forward to UFC 239 at the weekend, which we've got live commentary for. So make sure you come and join us uh, for that. Um... Regarding everything else that's going on uh, in the UFC, away from UFC 239, there'll be fans, football fans listening to this, and they might not be au fair with a lot of fighters, but they will have heard the name Conor McGregor. Of course, they've heard that name, right? Everyone has. <laughs> every, every, who? Conor who? <laughs> they've heard the name Conor McGregor. Do you envisage seeing him fight this year in the octagon in the UFC, Brad? I would like to say uh, yes. Uh, uh, everyone says, like, he, he's... He's such a successful businessman now. He doesn't need to fight, but he's... I've known him for a long time as well, even before he got into the UFC on, on Cage Warriors stuff. You can see that he is a fighter, so he will want to fight. If everything makes sense, but he's a businessman, so if the numbers are right, he will fight, and he would like to fight. You see, even you still follow him on social media, he still puts up stuff when he's fighting, and when other people are fighting, he always throws in his five pence worth here and there. So, like... I can see that I know he would want to fight so hopefully all the numbers make sense and we see by the end of the year you, you just mentioned he's a fighting man and Jimmy you've recently called time on your career how hard is it to do that when you've been doing it all your life you've been fighting all your life it's a thing that is in your heart in your head it's every moment of your life to call time on something like that how hard is it to do I don't know <laughs> I, I done it a month ago and um, still raw now now I'm, I'm starting to find it hard like going through days and I'm, and my body's calling to train sort of thing, you know. I like the high intensity train. I've been doing a little bit of weights here and there and everything, but I just find it boring. And I feel like I need to be wrestling and sparring and everything. But, you know, the, me calling a time, time on my career is, I think it was time. I felt in my heart it was time. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that um, I got out of it. Pretty unscathed. No, absolutely, and definitely giving a lot of fans an unbelievable amount of entertainment along along the way. Both of you in the break were speaking about the competition element of, of fighting, and that was the thing that has always driven you. That's never going to leave you guys, is it? No, that's why I find myself really hard to go back in, because when I was competing, I always wanted to get up, 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 you know, climb the rankings, be the best in, in the UK, be the mm -hmm. best in Europe, get over to America, hit the top 10, get top 10, now I'm top five, top five, try and get a title shot. Didn't happen. It wasn't for the one of trying. I went down a weight class to try and fight Demetrius Johnson because I, I beat Demetrius Johnson before. So I went down a weight class. That was not easy to try and get that, to be that number one. And then that 
when I lost to that weight class, that didn't happen. And then I, that door shut for me and then it became a job. And when it was a bit of a job, don't get me wrong, I love the job. Yeah. You know, but it was a job. It wasn't, I couldn't see myself hitting those heights again. And then it got to the stage where, mm. well, maybe I, I was always competition driven. So... And on that, on that, just on that, because both of you are very successful men, both outside the octagon and inside the octagon, before you got to the UFC, you'd you won championships elsewhere, you know what I mean, done really, really well in order to get yourself into the UFC. Talk to me about being at peace then with, because you both had ambitions of becoming champions in your respective weight divisions. Mm-hmm. When that doesn't happen, when are you at peace with that moment? Or are you ever at peace with that moment? Yeah, I guess... When you look back at your career, you just wish you, you don't want to have any woulda, shoulda, coulda. That's why I said I went down on weight class. Okay. Because if I didn't go down that weight class and tried to do what I did, and I would have gone back, if I ever tired and gone, you know what, I, I reckon I could have gone down a weight class and beat Demetrius Johnson. Now I could have been, I didn't want that. So for me, I'd done everything within my career to try and be number one. And it wasn't for the one to try and I didn't make it. So I'm happy with, okay. You know, not everyone could be a world champion, you know, and hats off to people who have done that. But for me, it wasn't for the one that trying to be the world champion. Yeah. You, know, that, that. you emptied the tank in order to be able to do that. Yeah. It just didn't, ha- it doesn't necessarily yeah, I'm, pay I, out. I, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm at peace with the, the fact that I tried. I got to rank number three in the world and uh, it didn't happen. And, um, you know, I'm, that the fans will remember me for giving exciting fights and that, that that's what I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with can you understand as as fighting guys I'll come to you first on this Jimmy so again referring back to to boxing people like Roy Jones Jr and James Tony and all these guys that go on well beyond their legacy years you know what I mean so Roy mm. Jones for me was one of the greatest fighters ever mm. me growing up as a kid he was unbelievable but then to see him fighting guys and getting beat off guys that aren't fit to lace his boots and, and things like that mm. upset me as a fan a little bit can you understand yeah that they do carry on because that fighting, that competition just never leaves them. Of course, I could I could easily carry on and carry on training and taking fights and everything. But <laughs> for me, I think I, th- I, th- I think it's time, you know. I've, I've got a family to, that I want to spend time with and everything. And, um, you know, it's, de- it's definitely time. I want to pursue other things in, in my life as well. And I think I know that there is life after fighting. That... I, I I know a little bit about both of you guys outside the octagon, so I know you're both sharp guys. You've been frugal with your money. You're doing your own businesses and various things like that, and you've got other interests. How important is that? Because if if it's just fighting, very difficult then not to go back in, especially if you if you need money to pay for X, Y, and Z. Mm. But when you've been clever, when you've got your own business interests, and and you're doing other things, media or whatever it may be, there's then avenues for you to then obviously come away from fight sports and put your energy elsewhere. I think the advantage for me and Jimmy, we we got into the sport late, so we were a little bit more mature with, yeah, with us, and, and we Definitely. both, and also we're both going to know we're not going to do this for the rest of our lives. You know, like I mean, you have to be very realistic. So like, you see a lot of like, um, it's very ripe in America. You see a lot of American football players come straight out of a college to get a Ameri- and then a few years earning crazy money, and then boom, they're cut, and then they're like they're so used to spending their money, and they're not wise with that money. They go buy the buy a car that's worth more yeah. than the house and yeah. so for me I was a bit sensible you know I mean I, I bought a couple of properties and you know but I, it's because of the time that I went in and then it's 
my job now, I, I see my job to speak to the other moons, like people underneath me that I'm helping. I'm like, hey, look, let's do this to be sensible. Don't rain down on this. Don't do that. You know, it, you have to have the right people around you as well to guide you as well, I think. Mm. You've just been speaking about other business interests, Jim. What's next, mate? What are we taking over? Do you know what? I've, I've, um, I'm starting to get into the management uh, side of things with fighters as well. I'm passing, passing on my knowledge and 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 uh, guiding the younger fighters as well. So I'm, sp- I'm speaking with my management company who managed me, Paradigm. Yeah. And uh, we're looking to do a, a UK, Europe kind of side side of it and everything. So and I've had a lot of fighters approach me and everything for for guidance and stuff like that. So that's something I'm looking I'm looking ser- seriously into. I think that's very wise to do that. And obviously you're involved with people like Nathaniel who's doing extremely well at this moment in time. You must be getting a bit of a kick out Shout of the prospect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> for 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 his success because he's he's on the cusp of doing something very, very special in the UFC. So that, that was the thing for me. Throughout my whole my whole career I, I did also coach if you know, I mean, I always put back and help people out uh, uh, around and like, so I'll, I'm always still going to coach now as in like I'm coaching people and that's another way where I compete now and be very competitive, but through my athletes, you know, yeah. and then uh, Nathaniel, he, he's a very, not only talented fighter, he has a really good mindset, you know, and uh, we, we, uh, have a very good bond. Seems uh, it, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And especially very, when you're slapping him around the mushes, yeah, he's just you know, about to get in the you know, octagon. That's the only time I get to hit him. <laughs> he's too fast for me. But um, yeah, so you, you have to be smart. Like say, like J- Jimmy's looking after people. I'm looking after people, and that's what you do. You try and pass on your knowledge to exactly. the younger gen- exactly. generation. Uh, and I mean, like, I think this is walks in all walks of life. You get to a certain height, and you should bend over and pick someone up. You know, yeah, pull someone up with you. You, you don't just like. It'd be a shame for that knowledge not to be passed on and someone else to benefit from it. Gentlemen, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, coming to join us. Uh, I'll see you again at the weekend for a little bit of UFC 239 for your expertise. Uh, And we'll see you in California sometime, uh, Jimmy, on on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much uh, for your time this evening. If you missed any part of that UFC chat, it is available as a podcast. Make sure you go and download from the Fight Night uh, app on iTunes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.